This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Okay, it's uh, really good to see all of you here today. Okay, let's go to God in prayer. Dear Father, as we come before you today, we just pray that you help us to understand this very last section of the Sermon on the Mount and how important it is for us to pay attention. And we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, what is the aim of many people's lives? What do they really desire in life? I think that if you were to honestly ask most people on the street what they really desire, it would be an easy life. Don't you think so? I mean, life is difficult. You know, life is tough. Studies are difficult. Jobs are insecure. You don't get enough money. You lose your job. Your loved ones die. Relationships are hard. So life is spent in the pursuit of having an easy life. And I think that many organizations in our world are built to give us or it's supposed to market to us the easy life. So, I mean, the banks will tell you if you put your money here, you save up, you know, you'll be able to retire early. You know, if you have insurance companies, they'll sell you all these plans. And unfortunately, churches do the same thing because many times if you go to churches, the church will tell you, oh, you know, if you become a Christian, you will have an easy life. It's almost as if if you become a Christian, it's like buying a nice sofa. You know, it's kind of like comfy and, uh, you know, a bit soft and comfortable. But is that really the Christian life? Is that the life of someone who follows Jesus Christ? Now, today, we come to the last section of the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus says these really shocking words in verse 13. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. Now here Jesus says that the Christian life is actually opposite to the easy life. It says here that small is the gate and narrow is the road by which you actually walk when you follow Jesus Christ. Now why is it that being a Christian is by Jesus Christ's own mouth the small gate and the narrow path? Well, I think first of all, it's because being a Christian, having the kingdom values, you actually have to conform to something which you are naturally not used to. So it's a bit like, uh, you know, when you go and try clothes, I, I think uh, maybe women try more clothes than guys, but you know, generally, if you go and try clothes, if you're a size 32, would you buy a size 28? No, right? Because you buy the clothes which fit you. But the difference is that when you actually decide to follow Jesus, you actually don't have the kingdom of heaven fit you, but you fit into the kingdom of heaven. That means it is difficult, it is constricting, it is narrow, it is tight, it is uncomfortable. So over the last uh, few weeks, we've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount, and to summarize, we learned that Jesus is the Savior King, and He is also the God King. And if you wanted to enter into the kingdom of heaven, then you have to enter through Jesus Christ. You have to be poor in spirit. 
You have to be mourned before God about your weak, your, your sinfulness. And then you enter into the kingdom of heaven. But once you're in the kingdom of heaven, the Sermon on the Mount characterizes what are the values and characteristics and qualities of the kingdom person. And what were they? Well, you have to be not just about murdering, but you can't have anger. It's not just about adultery, but you can't have lust. It's about not divorcing. It's not about making oaths, but telling the truth. It's not about taking revenge, but about loving your enemy. It's not about being like the Pharisees and being a hypocrite and showing off to the world, but showing off to God in private. It's about desiring righteousness before chasing after the things of this world. It's about being not judgmental. It's about forgiving because God forgave you. Now, if you take all these things to heart, this is constricting, right? It's difficult. It's like, a, I remember a friend of mine who was a very young Christian in Australia. He said, being a Christian cramps my style. It's true, right? Because being a Christian cramps my style. You know, it's like, I'm not naturally a forgiving person. I'm not naturally someone who restricts myself all these things. But being a Christian, now I have to be constricted. It's almost like I'm, I'm a size 32 and I have to fit into a size 38. But it's more than just living to a certain uh, standard that makes the Christian life a, a narrow path or a small gate. In Matthew chapter 5, right at the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said these words, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now think of it for a moment, right? Can you rejoice when people persecute you? Can you rejoice when people say all kinds of evil because you're a Christian? But you can because you see your reward in heaven, because you see who you are. But at the time, at the time, it is difficult. It is tough because you are a Christian. I remember many years ago, I went to my son's athletic meet and I was reading the book, a commentary on the Sermon on the Mount. And I remember this guy came and asked me about it and I told him about what he was talking about and he became very agitated and he said, you know, you Christians, you always think that Jesus is the only way. And it made me feel very uncomfortable which it was meant to make me feel uncomfortable, but that's what it is to live the kingdom of heaven life. It is the the narrow path, the small gate. It is meant to be difficult. You see, if you look at this word in verse 14, right? The word narrow, the narrow road is different from the verse 13, the word the narrow gate. Uh, The word here narrow actually has the connotation of persecution, of hardship because of pressure. So the way of the kingdom of heaven is difficult, hard, and filled with discomfort. Now, Jesus Christ, when he preaches to the crowd, is not going to put uh, all the, the, the fine print at the end. Right? You know, sometimes you sign things or you go and sign up for a gym or spa treatment. They give you all the fine print at the end, right? But Jesus puts it all up front. You want to follow me? It's going to be tough. 
It's going to be tough from the beginning at the gate. It's going to be tough as you walk through. It's going to be tough all the way through. So if you think about it, I remember when I was younger. Oh, uh, the picture. I used to read this book to my uh, my kids uh, about uh, the Pilgrim's Progress. And it characterizes the Christian journey as a narrow, difficult, windy path up the mountain. And it is, in a sense, a picture of what Jesus talks about here. Small is the gate. Narrow is the path of the Christian life. But this is the path that we tread if we live in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says that there is another path. It is wide. It is broad. It is easy to travel. And many people will travel on this road. It reminds me of when when I was younger, I used to visit my uh, father-in-law and mother-in-law who live in Saramban in Malaysia, which is close to KL. In those days, there was no north-south highway. And it was really, really a real pain to drive. You'd be driving single lane, you'd be stuck behind these lorries carrying logs, you'd be stuck behind these uh, these trucks carrying pigs and chickens and durians and whatnot, and they'll be going like 40 kilometers per hour, then you'll be trying to overtake, and then on the other side of the road, there'll be people coming at a million miles per hour, and then I haven't, had, I haven't seen people on motorcycles throw their t-shirts at the cars overtaking. It was, it was really difficult, right? There's potholes on the road. But today, you have the North-South Highway, and everybody goes on the North-South Highway. Nobody goes by the Kampong Road anymore, right? Because everybody wants the easy road. But the Bible tells us, Jesus' own words tells us, that if you want to follow the easy, wide road, it is the suicide road. It is the suicide road because it leads to destruction. That's what the word says here in verse 13. Broad is the road that leads to destruction. Now in the Sermon on the Mount, as well as in the Gospel of Matthew and in the New Testament, the word destruction always implies ruin, loss, perish, hell. So you want to take the easy road today? Outside of the kingdom of heaven you will be and you will go to destruction. Jesus says, yes, my road, my path, the values of the kingdom of heaven are difficult. Forgiveness is difficult. Self-control is difficult. Restricting your lust or your anger is difficult. Forgiving other people, not being judgmental, that's difficult. But those are the values which lead in the end to heaven. So the choice is before us. Are you walking on the broad road, which is easy, which everybody walks on? Or are you the ones who will walk on the kingdom of heaven values, which are small gate, narrow path? Because at the end, that is the way that leads to life. Now, verse 16, sorry, verse 15 tells us that not only is the gate small and the road narrow, but as we live in the kingdom of heaven, we face another danger. And the other danger is wolves or false prophets. Now, these are the people who would drag us off the narrow path and say, hey guys, the broad road is the right way to go. Now, these people, they look like Christians, they look like you and me. 
They look like very honest, sincere people. But actually, Jesus says they are ferocious wolves in sheep's clothing. Now, who are these people? Well, obviously, these are the people who are taking us away from the words of Jesus and bringing us outside of the words of Jesus, taking us away from the narrow path to the broad road. So if you want to think of it, think of the the blue with the cross part as the words of Jesus, how we are to live. The wolves are trying to take us away from God's word, away from Jesus' words, to do something different. So Jesus says, forgive. Right? Jesus says, do not lust. Jesus says, do not get angry. Keep your promises. And then these other people who pretend to be Christians or Christian leaders, they come and say, well, maybe actually Jesus meant something else. Or maybe it's not so important. Or maybe today, in the 20th century, Jesus' words don't mean the same thing. So I remember meeting a, a bishop once at a theological college, many, many, many years ago. And he said, the main aim of my job as a bishop was to keep unity. Was to keep unity. I don't think that Jesus would want him to keep unity. That is not his job. Because the main job for us as Christians is not to keep unity. Our main job is to keep the words of Jesus Christ. Because to keep unity could mean that I am being united with people who are actually ferocious wolves, who are actually taking people away from the narrow road, away from the words of Jesus Christ. So when the bishop says, my motto is unity at all costs, then I think Jesus would say, that is the way to hell. Because if unity at all costs means you are denying the words of Jesus Christ, you have gone from the narrow road the small gate to the broad road which leads to destruction. So how do we recognize these ferocious wolves if they are disguised in sheep's clothing? Well, Jesus actually says that uh, you recognize them by their fruit. And he gives two examples which, of course, we have no understanding what they mean. Anyway, so uh, he says, you know, can a grape vine produce thorn bush, and can a thorn bush produce grapes? See, from a distance, uh, they look quite similar, right? These grape things. Uh, I mean, I don't even know what the difference are, right? But obviously one is nice, but I can't buy thorn bushes in the NTUC fair price, so obviously they're not very good for you. Oh, that's really good, Martin. Thank you. Actually, you're anthrop- you know all these things, right? Oh, no, you don't. Okay, anyway, so the next one. Then also these thistles and these figs, at a distance, they all look the same, but, but one looks like very prickly and one looks like it's edible, right? So what he's saying is, you know, as you come closer to these false prophets, to these wolves, and you see the fruit in their lives, you'll be able to recognize them. Because you'll be able to see how one leads to obedience to Jesus Christ and the other one leads to disobedience to Jesus Christ. Now this is very important to us because I think that we are very lazy sometimes. <clears throat> so I think uh, Andrew was sharing about the, or was it Nick was sharing about the Bible reading plan. Many, many Christians don't read the Bible for themselves. If you don't read the Bible for yourself and you don't know what Jesus' words are, 
then you're just listening to the pastor and the pastor might be a ferocious wolf taking you away from the words of Jesus and you wouldn't even know better. You can't, you couldn't tell the difference between the grapes and the, what's the other thing? No, thorn bushes and something. Figs! The figs and the thorn bushes and the grapes and the, the thistles. Yeah, yeah, okay, anyway. But you understand what I'm saying, right? Because until you see the fruit of what is being produced, Unless you know what Jesus' words are, you can't compare what is the real, I guess, fruit in their lives. And I think it's so important, because I remember reading a book many years ago by this guy called Richard Baxter. He said, you know, one day, uh, many, don't know when, but when hell finally comes, people will be in hell, and they will bump into their pastor in hell. And they will say, you're here, and, and because of you, you dragged me here. Because of what you taught me and you got me to believe. And that's exactly what this passage is saying. He is saying, Jesus Christ is saying, there will be ferocious wolves who are disguised as sheep, as Christians, and they will lead people away from Jesus to destruction. That's exactly what it says. Let's look at what it says. It says, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And as these trees are thrown into the fire, if you follow these bad trees, these wolves, you will be thrown into the fire with them. So the important thing for us is, not only do we have to stay on the narrow path, the difficult path, and go through the small gate, but we have to beware of these ferocious wolves who are threatening to take us away from the narrow path. Now, the next section Again, follows the same idea. So there were two gates or two roads and there were two sorts of trees. Now there are two sorts of claims. Verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, same thing. Didn't we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. Now, in this passage, there are people who are calling Jesus, Lord, Lord. And twice it repeats that refrain in verse 21 and in verse 22, Lord, Lord. Now, I think that when they are saying Lord, Lord, they are not just sort of saying it as a mark of respect, but they are actually recognizing Jesus as the Lord God. They actually recognize Jesus for who He is. And not only do they recognize Jesus for who He is, they are doing super A-class miracles in Jesus' name. They are casting out demons. They are doing miracles. They are like the Stanford and Harvard graduates of the miracle school. But yet, the shocking thing is, when the day comes, when Judgment Day comes, Jesus says, Away from me, I never knew you. When they said to Jesus, Lord, Lord, they knew Jesus, but Jesus says, I do not know you. Now this is, this, this must be the most shocking words that you can ever hear when Jesus returns, right? Because here are people who on the page seemingly know Jesus, know who he is, do spiritual acts because of Jesus, but on the last day, Jesus says, I never knew you. 
How shockingly bad would that be on the last day? These must be the worst words that you ever hear from Jesus Christ. I never knew you. And the reason was, even though verbally they said, Lord, Lord, they didn't live as Jesus as Lord over their life. Even though they did this, all these works for Jesus, it wasn't the works which Jesus wanted. They didn't actually perform the works of the people in the kingdom of heaven as Jesus had preached in the Sermon on the Mount. Now, this is very important because at this point, when Jesus finishes the Sermon on the Mount, just as you are here, just as Jesus' audience was there 2,000 years ago, people were saying, how should I respond to the preaching of Jesus? What should I do with these words that Jesus has said to me? Now, one of the fa- false, uh, I guess, conclusions that people can come up with is, okay, la, I recognize that Jesus is God, but I don't have to take very seriously what he just said. I can sort of go along my way and ignore some of the things that I find a bit more difficult and just accept the things which I find a bit easier. But Jesus says that on the last day, if you still recognize Jesus as Lord, you do all these great spiritual works, but you don't take his words seriously on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says to you, I never knew you. Now, in case that um, you're a bit worried, because, <laughs> you know, it can be a bit worrying, right? You know, but wow, what does this mean? Huh? I mean, after all, when I got baptized, I made these verbal professions of faith. I'm, un- I'm not a perfect person. We're all sinners, right? Well, look carefully what it says there in verse 23. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. Now, the word here, evildoers, uh, I don't know if any of you have the ESV translation, but literally it is the word workers of lawlessness. Workers of lawlessness. Now, I think this is a bit of a better translation because it's not talking about people who slip up once in a while, right? People who, uh, like you and I, make mistakes in our life. To be a worker of lawlessness is someone whose inner orientation is lawlessness. That means I don't want to live under the rules of the kingdom of heaven. I want to do my own thing. So again, if you want to go a bit deeper into the Sermon on the Mount, remember what Jesus said about the law? Jesus has come to fulfill the law and the prophets. Remember it says, unless your righteousness is greater than that of the Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. So the worker of lawlessness is actually somebody who disregards what Jesus is saying and decides to be lawless in their life. And that's what Jesus is saying here. He says, you know, you can speak all you like about Jesus being Lord, Lord. You can do all the spiritual works you want. But if you're a lawless person, someone who is a worker of lawlessness and not taking my words seriously, then on the last day when Jesus comes, he says, away from me, I never knew you. Now this is so important for us because the question for us is, as we sit here and listen to the words of Jesus, are we going to be doers of his word or just speakers of his word? Are we going to be workers of lawlessness, thinking that just by saying things and by doing spiritual acts, I'm making myself known to Jesus because Jesus doesn't know you. You have to take his word seriously and you have to be a doer. Now verse 24 picks up on this idea and uh, continues on. 
Verse 24, Therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, a a doer, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Now, if verse 21 to 23 is about good speakers, not speakers, right? Right, like your, your speakers at home, but people who speak well, but do nothing. Then verse 24 to verse 27 is about people who are good hearers, but again, do nothing. They don't put the words of Jesus into practice. Now, it's very interesting. Uh, it's interesting to me. I don't know if it's interesting to you. But if you look here, in verse 21, it says, the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And in verse 24, he says, who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. So basically what Jesus is saying is that his words are the will of the Father in heaven. You listen to Jesus and you obey, it's listening to God's word and obeying. Because putting both into practice is doing the will of the Father in heaven. So what he's saying is, you can be a hearer, just as we've been listening to Matthew chapter 5-7, to just as all those people, all those hearers heard Jesus, but without putting into practice, you are a fool. A great fool, because on the outside you look all good and everything, you say all the right things, you're there in the crowd, you're coming to church, but you're a fool because on the last day when Jesus comes, your house will collapse with a great crash. Now, I know if you watch Discovery Channel, Alright, uh, look at all these slides. You know, if there's a big storm or everything, there's a big flood. Okay, next slide. There's great devastation, right? Okay, so Jesus is saying uh, that you are like that house. On the last day, you'll be devastated and destroyed because you failed to do and put to practice what Jesus has said. Now, if you look at this passage, oh, next slide, or oh, next one. Okay, so the difference is the one that did not fall and the one that fell is very, just basically next slide, uh, the listener and the doer. But the problem is, uh, when we sit here today, this afternoon, both houses look the same. Right? Because, you know, you can never tell what's under the house, right? I mean, it's just, it's either rock or sand, but it looks the same, nice outside, right? But the thing is, at the end of the day, what counts is not is what is on the outside, is what the foundation is on. And the foundation must be built on obedience to the words of Jesus Christ. Don't just be a listener, a good listener, but be one who puts the words of Jesus into practice. You see, it's interesting because in this section, he starts using the word wise one, the wise man or the foolish man, just as a, the wise woman or the foolish woman. And what distinguishes wisdom and foolishness in this world is uh, IQ, I suppose, or like, you know, Singapore now, uh, we are a very smart nation because our, our education system says that we are top in the world in the PISA rankings for math, science and reading or something, right? Now, Jesus says that it's very easy to be wise in his eyes you don't have to have tuition. You don't have to study a lot. You just have to put his words into practice. 
very hard, right? It's just a, an attitudinal thing. Do you choose to actually just listen or to live it out? So if you look at the last slide I have. Oh, the last one, is it up there? It's quite straightforward, right? <clears throat> the people who are inside the kingdom are those who adopt the kingdom values that Jesus says and practices them. But those who are outside are the speakers, the listeners, and those who just rely on their spiritual acts. So which one will you be as we come to the end of the Sermon on the Mount? Will the last few weeks just be an intellectual exercise, something that stimulates your mind, very interesting, something that you'll talk about? Or is it something that you actually embody and live out in your life, in your everyday life. Nobody can see, right? Because we can't see what's under the foundation of your building. No one can see what road you're walking on. But the last day will all be very, very clear. Now remember, in conclusion, I was talking to somebody else at the sports carnival. And uh, this sports carnival, the, 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 this guy he said, oh, you know, Jesus is a good teacher. Now I disagree that Jesus is a good teacher in the sense that he meant. Because what good teacher tells you that if you don't listen to me, you're going to hell? I mean, well, I mean, like, you know, I teach you maths, all right? If you don't listen to me and do this, you're going to hell, right? And really, really mean it. But that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying that if you don't listen and apply his words, you are going to hell. And he's saying it's not enough that you just open your mouth. That's not good enough. It's not enough that you just listen to me. It's not good enough that you do spiritual acts. You need to just listen and apply in every part of your life what I'm saying. And the danger is very real. The danger is very real. We should never underestimate uh, the great risk that's involved in actually being someone who takes Jesus' words lightly. I think verse 14 to me of the whole section is the most scary, right? But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. I think, I think we, we live in a world which assumes that many, many people will walk in the path of eternal life in living out what Jesus says that we must do as His people. But it actually shows that it is actually much, much harder and much, much rarer to find faithful Christian followers then we may presume. And if Jesus says these words, then all the more it is a challenge to us to say, yes, we will keep on that road. It doesn't matter how hard it is. It doesn't matter how constricting and how uncomfortable that road is. I will stay on that road. Even though it is difficult to forgive that person, even though it's difficult to control myself. But I will do it because this is what it means to be part of the kingdom of heaven. Let's go to God in prayer. Dear Father, as we come before you today, uh, we truly want to thank you for Jesus' honest and upfront and open words of how difficult it is to be a kingdom person. We pray for ourselves, for everyone here today, that you will help us to see very clearly just what is at stake. That a verbal confession, being a good listener, doing spiritual acts, counts for nothing before Jesus. We will only be known by Jesus if truly we take his words to heart and live it out. Dear Father, we pray that we will never be workers of lawlessness, 
people who openly disregard what Jesus says and his instructions, but strive at all times, even through the difficulty of the narrow path, the small gate, to continue to walk in a constricted, uncomfortable, arduous and suffering manner, even if it goes against our natural nature, that we will do it because we must fit ourselves into the kingdom that Jesus has brought us into and not have the kingdom fit to us. And we pray that on the very last day, truly, we will see the fruition and the fulfillment of the kingdom of heaven for us. And we will be there with Jesus. And we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at bcpc.sg.